Welcome to the Young IPA Podcast. I'm James. This is Pete. Good everyone. It is the 5th of September and this is episode 125. We've got a loaded show for you guys coming up. So much to get through. So we've got Renee Gorman in studio, uh, National Manager of the IPA's Generation Liberty Program. She had a huge week in media about her new report mm-hmm. asking students whether there is a free speech crisis at university. Uh, so she asked them through the survey and then we asked them through a Vox Pop, which we're also going to be playing on the show. Very cool. So we've got Vox that. Uh, we also got Bo Sargent. Bo's a year 11 student. He's been on the show before. Good friend of the show and he's come in we're just going to throw around a few stories that are coming out of high schools recently basically high schools have lost their mind mm. and then Bo gives us a textbook which uh, you you guys are going to really enjoy I don't want to spoil it but uh, stick around for the textbook story he came prepared didn't he he did uh, much more than we did so mm. good on him Bo um, apart from that we got Brexit obviously that's a huge story today Brexit religious discrimination we got the quiz Dan and Bella up against Pete mm. uh, we got heroes and villains Pete anything you're looking forward to in the show I'm really pumped up about my villain UTS in yes. Sydney yeah it's a good one um, so but let's get into it because Brexit is the huge story it's still developing as we do this podcast Mm. and uh, I'll put it this way there was a few ways I was throwing around of like how to introduce Brexit as a topic and I'm just going to say a statement and you tell me if I'm right or wrong no one knows what's going on Uh, yeah right I'm right correct okay let's move on to the next topic well talk us through it well, there, there's a lot, of, lot to get through, a lot of developments. But before we do that, James, I just want to show you uh, one video of how the sober, rational Remainers are dealing with the Brexit t- situation at present. Mike, would you yeah. want Brexit to happen now? If suddenly the new term was, but everyone's head gets chopped off. No, of course would that mean, But hang on, wait a minute, people no. voted for it. No, 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 if no, no, people no, voted no. for it, why would you? No. Why are you changing the goalposts? No, no, because I mean, the question no. was, do you want to leave the EU? Yes, and, and guess, I'm saying and guess you can leave the EU. You, you just have to have that. your head chopped off do you not understand just it, to- it was a weird bylaw <laughs> it was a weird uh like foot uh fine print in yeah. the voting slip yep. that if you vote yes everyone's heads will get chopped off it's all right everyone missed it that was connie huck who is a british television presenter i thought i'd just throw that up to so that the remainers are dealing with this very well so as we said yeah as we said, James, there's been a lot of uh, developments recently. On Tuesday, the Commons voted to take control of the agenda on the back of 21 rebel Tory uh, MPs moving. So that means they can control the agenda in the Commons. Very kinky name for this. Uh, the, the Downing Street said if the Tory MPs rebelled, they'd have the whip removed. Wow. So that's a way of saying that you get expelled from the Parliamentary Party. I don't know how they do things over there, James, but that's what happened. Uh, last night, these MPs that took control of the agenda introduced a bill that forces Boris Johnson not to leave the EU without a deal, which would almost certainly push the date back beyond October 31, but not uh, absolutely definitively, James. I know you've got money on this. Uh, now, this could this hasn't got through the House of your Lords yet, uh, and there's a slim chance the Brexit supporters may filibuster it until parliamentary, Parliament is suspended. Uh, so as a result of this happening, Boris Johnson brought forward a motion for an early election, which Labor abstained from, meaning that it didn't get the required two-thirds of parliamentary support for the election to get up. So, so just so I know that we've got this right, so there's no Brexit yet. No Brexit yet. And there's no election yet. No and election. even though Boris Johnson's lost three votes in the House of Commons, his first three, mm. clearly can't get anything through, there's still not going to be an election because of the deadlock. Jeremy Corbyn has been... Uh, Johnson claims that Jeremy Corbyn is the first opposition leader in history to knock back the opportunities to have an election. Yeah, yeah, because like uh, he's been pushing for it for two years. Like, we need another election. We need another vote. People yeah. don't know if they're voting for a no deal or not. Yep. And then the second he's given the new vote, the entire Labor Party abstains from having another election. Exactly right. And these Remainers have been carrying on all week about how Johnson's a dictator for yep. proroguing Parliament. And then now they're running scared from the opportunity of having an election. So here's the things that can happen, James, because yep. I know you want to know what can happen. Uh, jo- Johnson will still get his election by introducing a new bill where, uh, where they, you only need a simple majority to have an election or calling a no vote in his own government, so, which I think would be fantastic. <laughs> that'd be cool. I have no faith in myself. Yeah, I mean, it's just... That's sort of a like hard us. one for Boris Johnson to admit, though. That, <laughs> Boris Johnson's a proud guy. Yeah. For him to say, I've got no confidence in myself, yeah. that's... That's a real moment for him. I, I mean, I sort of kind of hope that happens just to see how it pans out. Now, the EU could veto a British request for an extension. They could yeah. just say, we've had enough, which wouldn't be wouldn't be unreasonable. I think the EU's getting a nice little power trip out of it. It's yeah, like, yeah. Come on, keep dancing, keep dancing. But I haven't if, had my fill yet. But they only need one person to ve- one country to veto it. So Johnson could go out and find a country and say, listen, mate. <laughs> if I slip you a pineapple, <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> a pineapple, exactly. <laughs> 50 right. bucks will do it. Yeah, uh, that should count. Uh, so... This is absolutely bizarre. And you've got 21 uh, Tory MPs. They're out of the party now, the including like two former treasurers or ch- chancellors or whatever it's called. Yeah, the whip was removed. And the grandson of Winston Churchill as well. Yeah, exactly. So it's chaos. Yeah, exactly. It is absolute chaos over there. Yeah. Um, um, so 
it, yeah, it still might. There still might be an election. Mm. No one knows uh, the dates. Like no one knows the date either. So yep. I guess we'll just keep monitoring it. But I just wanted to get it on the record that I don't know what's going on. Yeah, and I'm scared. Okay, next uh, thing we want to talk about here is the free, uh, the draft exposure of the religious discrimination bill was put out last week. So this has been the thing that's been bubbling away for a while with the Israel Folau thing, and then way before that was Archbishop Porteous. So the idea being, uh, how does the government want to deal with religious discrimination and deal with freedom of speech? And what we look at with this bill is sort of like why you and I Whenever the government says, don't worry, we're here to help, we worry just that little bit more. Mm, we're concerned. Because uh, they've come to it with the idea of like, okay, the one thing that we don't have enough in this country is bills that concern freedom of speech. Yep. And if we have one more bill, we'll save ourselves. Mm. So like the whole thing is the government doesn't want another Porteous case coming up. And if people don't know what that was, that was uh, a Tasmanian Archbishop was circulating reading material that was basically the teachings of the Catholic Church about same-sex marriage and then someone uh, you know, asked for uh, the courts to have a look at that and yep. that became a free speech bill and then obviously the Israel for our stuff everyone knows about. So you got these two things coming about. The government wants to go, okay, how do we get to a place where we don't have this anymore? And they've legislated just enough that these two cases wouldn't come up. But I, I just reckon I, the fundamental problem hasn't been solved, which is there are too many laws, not, yeah. not enough. Oh, absolutely. The yeah. way to stop this religious discrimination, or the best thing you can do for religious discrimination is to get rid of yes. all the anti-discrimination laws we already have. One of the good things about this, though, is that it does override state legislation, which is a good thing. Yep. However, it does expand the role of the Australian Human Rights Commission, which is a bad thing. Yes. So I'll get into that one. So, yeah, like... I. I it is a good thing that some state laws are getting overturned mm. and, you know, like the federalist argument being states should have more power than federal on some issues. But, like, it is getting to a spot where your law versus my law versus the three statutes I have versus this thing. And it's like, well, who wins? <laughs> no one, <laughs> one of the best no lawyers. One, yeah, just whoever's got the best law is going to figure out which law supersedes which law. So that's why I'm, like, very sceptical about it. And the other reasons are, like Pete says, like the Australian Human Rights Commission gets more power over this. And if there's one organisation in the country that has done literally nothing to advance the cause of freedom of speech in Australia, it is the Australian Human Rights Commission. I don't think they're So glad they've it. got more laws. Yeah. Uh, got, glad they've got more power. And then the other one I saw here, which Morgan Begg pointed out in his media release, which you can read at ipa.org.au. It's really good. And you also got Janet Olbrexon's article in the Australian is really good. Yep. But Morgan Begg points out, the draft bill would reverse the onus of proof by requiring large businesses to prove that compliance with a, quote, discriminatory employment condition is necessary to avoid justify, un, unjustifiable hardship to the business. Mm. So you have to prove that you weren't being discriminatory. Yeah. Like, how do you do that? Well, if you're a big company, you don't deserve legal rights, James. Oh, so. right, of course. <laughs> but corporates are people. But anyway, um, yeah, so th like the point is for me, it's like, okay, I get what you're trying to do and it's good that Porteous and Israel Folau wouldn't be bought before a court again mm. uh, for the, what they did, but more laws is bad. Well, they reckon Falao might have still got, it still would have been fine because they would have been able to show that they lost money from the sponsors. But I do agree with you overall. Obviously, the best way to deal with this stuff is just through freedom of speech, social media, free discussion, and, and all those things. And communities should set, set their own standards. All right, sweet. Let's get into our Heroes and Villains segment. Let's do it. So, Heroes and Villains, basically, we'll start off with the heroes. heroes. So, the Grunt the Pig Freedom Award, if we can get that pig. Oh, look at him. Look at him. <laughs> That's a pig snorting around for freedom. So that is the sound effect of the stories we have where someone has stood up for freedom, for liberty, and against tyranny around the world this yeah. week. And we want to highlight them and uh, award, like uh, just give them the snort of freedom. So, Pete, I think you want to start off with uh, one of Australia's great heroes. Well, uh, two, two great Australians. Uh, Victorian ele uh, electrician Sam Foreman and his cousin Tim French from Sunbury, who this this couple of late last month lifted a specifically or especially designed drone with a fishing rod and a can of beer above Upper Collarbone Reservoir. Uh, yeah, so for people watching on YouTube, you can see him now, but it's just a man in a chair being suspended by a drone over a lake, having the absolute time of his life. Fishing, fishing and he does catch a fish, which you'll see, and he's also <laughs> drinking a VD. Oh, sorry, that's for YouTube only, so I'll skip over this. But there's a man in a hazmat suit for no apparent reason. You're fascinated with that hazmat what? suit. This is drones he worried about a nuclear fallout. They're at a lake. Sorry, I'm I just interrupting think, again. That's all right. It was, a, it was a, uh, an important point. I think they're just ta they're taking their experiment seriously. Anyway, they're getting investigated, or, or cars are looking into it, the civil aviation safety authority is probing uh is probing them because you know uh, as mr peter gibson says of casa drones of any nature are controlled by strict safety laws etc 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 now these are a couple of great quotes from the droners which i'm going to call them uh which are fantastic and prove that they're great australians 
Mr. French uh, hit out at Casa, saying the investigation was a, quote, bloody outrage. <laughs> and I'm threatened to take the issue all the way to the Prime Minister. You do that, Mr. French. You take it all the way to Scott Morrison. Uh, he said, we're just trying this to be innovative. This is literally the scene from The Simpsons where he gets the phone bill. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not familiar with that, but I'll take your word for it. Uh, you know, they're trying to be innovative, trying to show something good uh look they said they said when it happened it was like watching a grand final that was really close everyone was on edge and when they when they succeeded they were great so tim french and your mate sam foreman your cousin sam foreman grant the pig freedom nomination the other point i have with this one is i have no idea how anyone's going to be able to arrest him this man has mastered flight like if yeah. they come around and they got him surrounded he just takes off in his little <laughs> drone chair yeah. he'll be fishing for hours exactly so no, uh it's a perfect crime oh he's a great australian hero all right cool uh my one is uh lionel shriver so lionel shriver the author famous author she got into a bit of a uh, uh stoush with yasmin abdel mcgeed a few years ago which people might remember but she's finally come back to australia since that uh, and she was on Q&A and she's talking about freedom of speech and identity politics and she's my hero of the week for being able to sit through this question without collapsing in on herself like a dying star, which I would have done. Um, so my question is to Ruby. A uh, white woman um, being agents of white supremacy and settler colonialism has been well documented in the USA with white women making up a large majority of Trump's supporter base. But how has this idea of white womanhood manifested in contemporary Australia? And how can we talk about something like that without ignoring the fact that most women of colour are also settlers, you know, living here on unceded Aboriginal land? All right, so I've watched that clip about five times. And from what I can understand, it is the question basically boils down to how can I be mad at white women while also being mad at myself for committing the same crimes that white women do when I'm committing them, but I also want to be mad at someone that's not me? Yeah, look, you might have summed it Your up Your thoughts. There. Yeah, look, I think you might have summed How it up How would you answer that question? Well, I, I obviously don't have an answer for the young woman in that clip. Well, no, Nor I, did anyone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a cue, 10 minutes of just... Uh, yeah, yeah, just like, hmm? What, Interesting uh, point hmm. that you raised there. Well, yeah. Trump. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Trump. No, my favourite bit is just the well-documented part of that. It's like, yes, your left, your bizarre lefty talking point is completely well-documented. Yeah. Well, it's, I, it's I also just like the idea that like uh, there's not a single white woman in the world that can possibly be in support of Trump mm. without being an agent. Mm. Like, uh, of white supremacy. Like, yeah, yeah. Like you are financially uh, or have been brainwashed into supporting Trump. Yeah. Uh, only solution it's, I can see. It's well-documented. Well-documented. I have the documents. Mm. <laughs> Alex Jones. Uh <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to Villain Awards. So, Villain of the Award, oh, Walter Peck. Villain. I villains. Uh, sorry, well, I hope you have one. <laughs> uh, so, Walter Peck, uh, Villain Awards are basically the inverse, just people that have stood up for tyranny. So, Pete, yeah. uh, if you do have one, this would be a great time to share it. No, I do have one, James. I just forgot for a second that we were actually going to do it. No, kidding. <laughs> so, the University of Technology in Sydney uh, last week, or this week, over the last week, has lowered the entry requirements, or has announced they are lowering the entry requirements for engineering, computing, and construction degrees, a whole 10 ATAR points. So ATAR is your score that you get at the end of year 12. Yeah. 10 points. And it's out of 100. Like 10 yeah. is a drop. It's a lot. Uh, women in Engineering and IT Director Artie Agarwal insisted the move would not lower standards. Questionable. She said, we're not taking in underperforming students or doing tokenism here. Well, you could have fooled me, <laughs> yeah. Artie. Uh, so how, what are they doing? Yeah, I don't know. Well, <laughs> nah, it's not tokens. If they're not lowering standards and they're not being tokens, what, what remains from dropping 10 points to get more women in? Mate, are you trying to suggest that dropping 10 points is a lot dropping standards? That <laughs> makes absolutely no sense. Miranda Devine wrote a ripper piece in the Daily Telegraph. She says, if there aren't enough women studying engineering, it's not because they're too stupid to get an extra 10 ATAR points. It because, it's because it doesn't interest them. Now, James, these are my villains. This, sorry. These are my villains this week. Saul gets so angry when we knock the table. <laughs> I knocked the table in rage. <laughs> Two hands as well. Really gave it what's going. I'm in trouble after this. No, but there is nothing more undermining for women than this quota stuff or this, you know, lowering standards. You know, like when these women do get into engineering, they're just going to, people are going to be thinking, you know, do they meant to, are they meant to be here, blah, blah, blah. My mum worked in IT in the 70s. You want to talk about pioneers. Yeah. Mum in the 70s working in IT, which is already, which is a male-dominated field now. Mm -hmm. Definitely male-dominated back then. She was dad's boss. Mm -hmm. Dad would argue that position hasn't changed over the years. Oh, oh, and oh. the thought that, it's you the know. the worst joke you've had in two years well, of podcast. It's his joke. It's dad's joke. Well, and it's a cracker. We'll, we'll take that to the people. Yep. Anyway, the idea that maybe she needed a little bit of extra help, you know, to get along in IT is it's an absolute disgrace. UTS, have a villain. Uh, interesting that you would put this as your villain of the week mm -hmm. when you, uh, 
you could have done the same rant and had your mum as the hero of the week. So just I, that's that's an awkward one. Well, mum's mum's IT career isn't a, a development that happened this week. Well, I'm just saying you could have nominated her for a hero prize, and it's just it's it's intentional that you didn't, and I don't know what that says about you. Would have been anyway, incredibly weird. But the other part of me, so UTS for me, are just going to have to realise what engineering students have sadly figured out through their first year for decades, which is there are no girls in engineering. Okay. Uh, as Miranda said, it just does not interest girls to the same level that it interests some men. Yep. Is, is what I'm saying. Uh, so yes, that's a good one. All right, uh, my one is Deborah Messing. So this is the Will and Grace star. People might have seen that show. Uh, got rebooted, then cancelled. But anyway, so uh, this comes about because Hollywood Reporter had a tweet up that said President Donald Trump to appear at Beverly Hills fundraiser during Emmys week. And Deborah Messing quite tweeted that. It's up on the screen now for people who are watching on YouTube. And she says, "Please print a list of all attendees, please. The public has a right to know." Uh, pretty creepy. Pretty creepy idea that just like oh the second you have an the second you have a privately held political opinion and you want to support the cause the entire public has a right to know what that opinion is so or, yeah or at least Deborah Messing or at least Deborah Messing has a right to know uh, and then she got a bit of flack for that so she comes back she doubles down uh, and says I am proud to be a donor when I contribute to a campaign I'm happy to be listed when I attend a fundraiser I am assuming anyone who donates to Trump's fundraiser would feel the same why wouldn't they. Maybe because they're a different person and they don't feel the need to broadcast uh, their every belief they have on social media. They might have different preferences to you, Deborah. Yeah, it's like, uh, why, why isn't the thing that I believe, mm. what everyone believes, is just something we're all going to have to figure out. It's something we have to come to terms with. Uh, and then, uh, so this is bad enough, and then Donald Trump comes in with an absolute haymaker, which uh, is also up on for the screen. So I have not forgotten that when it was announced that I was going to do The Apprentice, this is his tweet, announced that I was going to do The Apprentice, and when it then became a big hit, helping NBC's failed lineup greatly. Deborah Messing came up to me at an upfront and profusely thanked me, even calling me sir, how times have changed. Donald Trump, I've maintained, is the only politician that figures out what Twitter is good for. And it's not good for being relatable and it's not good for announcing policies. It is literally only good for trolling people. Yeah. And Donald Trump is the only person that fig has figured this out. Mate, when he's had a tough day, you know, when China have sued him at the WTO, yeah. he absolutely prays for some B-grade actor to have yeah. a crack at him on Twitter so he can just get get to where he's comfortable, yeah, yeah. be a smart ass and win the day. I just so hope he was late to a meeting about the trade war. Yeah. Just, it's like, oh, hang on, let, just serve them another coffee. Yeah. Oh, five minutes, I'm going to have a go at someone who hasn't been relevant since 1997. It was probably, probably in the middle of the meeting. <laughs> yeah. Just show them some will and grace while I tweet at Deborah Messing. Uh, so, yeah, but like it comes down to the fundamental thing of just like that is modern McCarthyism. Like, uh, if you have a political belief, we all deserve to know about it mm. and it should affect your career. Yeah. Like, yeah. that. If, like that is pure McCarthyism. All right, uh, now we've got a bunch of stuff coming up for you before, before you're going to hear from me and Pete again. So we're going to be talking to Renee Gorman, National Manager yes. of Generation Liberty, about her new report. We're then going to go to the quiz. We're moving that up earlier in the show this week. Uh, very fascinating quiz. Controversial, mm. some might claim. Uh, yeah, so oh, they're got, controversial every week, aren't uh, they? We've got Bella, Daniel and Pete. Does Pete finally get the win? So uh, tune, around, uh, tune in. And then we've got an interview with, uh, well, more of a chat with Boris Sargent coming up later in the show. So that's a whole lot of fun too. So, yeah, stick around. Okay, we now welcome back onto the show Renee Gorman, National Manager of Generation Liberty. Renee, welcome back. Thanks for having me on again. Now, uh, we've got a lot to talk to you about because last week was a re release of your big report on freedom of speech crisis at Australian universities. And we've there's a lot of statistics that are coming out. There was a whole lot of coverage about your report that we want to talk to you about. And there's also a video. And I think we're just going to play, like, just to get people listening and people watching on YouTube into the frame of mind, uh, we'll just play a little snippet of the video before we get into Chuck it. Chuck it on. The IPA commissioned a survey of 500 Australian students asking what they thought about the state of free speech at their universities. And the results are damning. 41% of students feel that they are sometimes unable to express their opinion at university. And 31% said that they have been made to feel uncomfortable by a university teacher for expressing their opinion. So that's some pretty amazing statistics. And we're going to get into those statistics mm. and a few others as well that really caught uh, our attention coming out of that report. But I guess we want to start at the, at the beginning would be a pretty good place to start. Correct. So uh, when we're thinking about putting this report together, what were you hoping to find? Or what, what did you want to know? So... Really why I was passionate about this research in particular was as someone who was was a student who faced censorship, who had attempts to have, um, you know, events shut down and had gone through this, it was so, so frustrating to continuously see vice-chancellors and bureaucrats come forward and say, no, there's no free speech crisis, nothing to see here, it's all fine. And I kept thinking, well, 
for what authority do you say that? Because you haven't actually spoken to the students about this. Mm. Have you ever heard about a vice chancellor going to meet with a group who's had their event shut down or had an event have massive security fees? There didn't seem to be any desire. Yeah, I've heard a, I haven't heard that story, but I've heard a lot of them uh, burying it under the rug, with, I think would be the accepted phrase. Yeah, Yeah. well, I, I actually asked for an audience with Michael Spence um, to discuss the Unlearn program and, and certain things that I was concerned about while I was a student. And he said to me that he had no free space in his diary for the entire semester. So wow, that's, busy that's, guy. That's a very, very busy man. He, yeah. he seems to be more busy than many ministers. So <laughs> that's, that's an interesting little tidbit there. But yeah, it was really frustrating to see that they weren't actually talking to the students. And what I think this research, more than anything, highlights is this massive, massive disconnection between what vice chancellors are saying happen is happening on campus and what the students are actually experience experiencing. And I, we keep joking that this is quite a novel or radical approach by the IPA to actually ask the students what they thought about free speech. And it's, it's, I think it's kind of crazy that we had, we had to be the first people to do that, though we are the great thinkers of Australian society, so we did it first, but... Um, it's a special level of genius to come up with asking someone a question. Yeah, yeah. to talk to the students about mm. the student free speech crisis. Yeah, yeah. Radical, <laughs> radical idea there. Um, but yeah, I think that's one of the main findings, I think, is that what the, what the kind of higher-up elitists are saying is not really what the students are experiencing. It's good to see Michael Spence working so hard. That's fantastic. But <laughs> so does this match what you've been told by students? And as you said, it matched what you experienced when you were at uni? Because this happened to you as well, didn't it? Yeah, I think it does really match um, what I hear when I go and talk to students on campus, um, especially conservative students feeling that they can't discuss certain issues um, and that certain sh issues can't even be talked about because even questioning the assumed knowledge is offensive. Um, but the, also the interesting thing about this, these findings is it was reasonably bipartisan. So most of the students surveyed were actually Greens or Labor voters and they also thought there was a problem. So this has gone beyond what, you know, a lot of uh, chancellors have been claiming, which is, oh, this is just an issue for conservative students. They're making a mountain out of a molehill. They're taking small instances and saying that this is a massive issue when that's not true, obviously, because... Green students also think that there's an issue. So I think I, I did notice that on the survey it said 2% of students said that, uh, what was it, that disagree with the idea that you should be exposed to different views. Is that this activist class that are sort of maybe ruining it for the rest of them? Because you said, you know, that uh, ALP and Greens people also have the same feeling. So is, there, is it just this tiny minority that's ruining it for everyone else? Want a bit of a phrase? Yeah, I would say that, that um, that 2% is kind of representative of that radical activist um, portion of the university which has a large amount of control over the culture and the discourse that happens on universities and they've kind of been handed that control I think by the administration. Yeah so we've got all of these uh, infographics and a lot of the statistics all over our Facebook page and all over our website. One of the statistics that I found really interesting is that students are more likely to be held back from expressing their views by other students rather than teachers. I don't see an easy fix to that. Like teachers, you can say, okay, well, you know, don't show your bias in classes and hopefully that'll rule it out. But if, pe if people are held back by other students, I don't quite see what the, how to overcome that. Well, I think that's going back to kind of what I was saying before. It's that that 2% of kind of radical students have been empower, empowered by an administration that lets them get away with pretty much murder. Not literal murder, but, you know. I could um, clarify literal murder. A little bit. <laughs> not, not literal murder, but lets them get away with things that uh, a conservative student group or, or any other student group really couldn't get away with. We're in a situation where the, you know, the maniacs are running the asylum and I think it, that also reflects on the bipartisan nature of this because these radical students are so far off the deep end that not even Greens and Labor students agree with them. <laughs> like yeah. you've gone so just, you know, completely off the edge that we can't even agree with you on this. So you reckon if this 2% uh, aren't as empowered in future, like if we did the survey five years from now, we might see students are more likely to open up in front of their classmates about their own political views. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I think like the reason... Like that appetite's there. The appetite's definitely there and that was shown by the responses we got to the social media questions. So students are much more comfortable expressing their views on social media than in class. And anyone who's been on social media lately knows that 
social media isn't necessarily a platform that's immune from criticism. Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely opening yourself up. So it's not that necessarily students are afraid of their ideas being critiqued. It's how they're critiqued and the threat of being harassed. You know, I've seen these radical students like hunt down certain people who are, you know, there was a girl who was at a charity booth um, getting screamed at by the women's collective with a megaphone. Like it's pretty yeah. harsh consequences. Yeah, like that was to me the most uh, concerning thing was like people more willing to tell their political views to complete strangers that they've never met before than they are to people they see every week. Like that's how toxic it can get is just that level of uh, disconnect. Yeah. I would say, look, far better for me to sermonise, James. You know I don't like to sermonise. No, you've never sermonised a day in your life. But Dave Rubin used to say, you know, one of his things out of that interview was just be a little bit more brave and you'll find that more people agree with you than you think. So I guess if you're a uni student and you're concerned that your peers don't agree with you, if you speak up, I think you might find that more people agree I, with you mm. than you think. I totally agree, Pete, and it's something I always say. Um, well, that's a good it, example I, right there. Pete said it's something he believed and then yeah, found yeah. out that Renee agreed with him. And Renee is, it you know, works. It works very, in a lifetime. I always, I, yeah, I always say that to young students when I meet them. Because when they do say they're too scared to speak out, I'm like, you're going to have to because you don't know how many other students are sitting in that room mm. who are also thinking the same thing, who are also too scared. So once one person says it, another person will say it. And it's, you know, it's how I met my best friends at uni by yeah. them coming up to me afterwards and being like, well, I kind of agreed with what you said there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's how we got you to the IPA because you were just a famous rebel rouser from the University of Sydney. Yes, definitely. <laughs> rebel you know, they, rouser. They, they looked it's at it. Yeah. You know, that was a business card. They were, they were watching the television. They said that. You know, emotionally unstable, troublemaker, <laughs> definitely, definitely IPA material. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's run some of the other statistics here. So 58% of students say they'd be more, they are more exposed to new ideas on social media than university. I couple that with 47% saying that they're more comfortable expressing themselves on social media, as we've said, and 45% saying social media is more persuasive than universities. So... Are universities still a thing 20 years from now? If like that level of students are like, ah, I'm learning more, I'm engaging more in debate, I'm uh, being exposed to new ideas more in the comfort of my own home on my laptop and on my phone on the train than I am at the university that I pay money to go to. Like what happens to the future of universities if that keeps up? I think they are losing their relevance and they're losing their relevance because of issues like this. And Jordan Peterson talks about this a lot. He, he really thinks that the future is going digital. It's going to... Um, private platforms creating their own education models. Universities have served us well in the past, but if they're going to continue down this route of censorship and also lack of intellectual diversity, lack of different ideas, then they're going to completely lose their relevance within society. Okay, now you were with Adam Schlicht, a friend of the show and rock star who went out to Melbourne University a couple of weeks ago to speak to students about freedom of speech. Let's play that footage now. Do you feel free to express your mind in tutes? Um, to a certain extent, I think it's the way you express yourself and certain values that go, you know, maybe against tutorial, you know, the tutor or like what the university's beliefs are. Well, certainly I might say that uh, free speech is something that's often talked about and encouraged as being available on campus. I say there are certain limits to what is actually allowed to be spoken. Especially in tutorials during a discussion where anything that doesn't sort of fit with the mainstream, I guess, ideology that's being pushed is rejected or looked down upon. I never think that uni should be encouraging all views, but especially in arts and like especially with history um, and politics, there is definitely a much more like PC view that is encouraged among students and with teachers. So I mean, they wouldn't like like deliberately make you stop talking, but they would definitely like try to drown you out. Do you think you're only being taught one side of an issue in humanities classes? Definitely, definitely. Um, even even the lecturer themselves has the bias and then that is of course passed down to the tutors and then further developed but definitely not on the other side. I definitely think so and I think the tutes are designed in a way to guide discussion towards certain principles and ideologies and conclusions instead of facilitating a fair discussion and debate in the classroom. We had that issue recently I think a while back of when the uh, union put that thing about free speech but they wouldn't let you know some uh, guy say what he was thinking. But I would say that the majority of um, of my tutorials have been rather negative in that there is a clear, I guess, agenda. The policing, the policing of language, the uh, the the uh, the insistence that some words not be used because they might not be politically correct, 
even if it's in the context of you know pursuing truth, which should be the whole point of humanities. Like for politics especially, um, it can be very one-sided. So like for last semester, we were learning capitalism and we were reading Karl Marx for that which was a bit dodgy um, and like for this semester as well like for our politics subjects we definitely stick to more like left-wing sources though they do occasionally like bringing some sources from other views as well yeah but predominantly um, very one-sided. So do you feel like some of your teachers are politically biased then? Well look everyone's politically biased aren't they so probably yeah. <laughs> I think some of them are when like you're brought up in an environment such as this and you're kind of indoctrinated into these values you can only see one side of an issue and it's very tough to take a broader view. Definitely, to the point that they mark their uh, results according to the uh, political standing of the student and I've known many uh, friends who've had that issue to the point that the lecturer themselves has been uh, involved in a scenario like that previously and has said yes we know of this particular tutor and we will fix this, which is horrible. This shouldn't be a reoccurring uh, situation. I think that most likely more biased towards the left. For example, in one of my tutes, it was a history tute, and it just seems like the teacher was only interested in looking at history issues through the feminist lens, the racial lens, the class lens, and it's just a very different conception of history from what I was used to, like a chronological sort of um, teaching of history. All right, sweet, that was awesome. So I watched that and I just think to myself, like, that backs up what you've got in your report much more than it does the vice chancellors who are saying that there's no freedom of speech crisis. So you were there, like, what were the experiences filming that? Yeah, it, it does confirm a lot of what I kind of already knew. And it's kind of worrying because you just heard very similar stories told differently by different people. And the fact that our chancellors keep denying this is, is such an indictment of that they don't really know what's happening at the ground level. And I think as long as they continue to deny the problem, so everyone's saying, oh, isn't it wonderful that they've been dragged kicking and screaming and they're saying, oh, we'll take on the recommendations of the French model code. I'm very suspicious that someone who still says that there's no problem is going to be able to fix the problem, mm. especially since as they continue to deny it, they don't actually want to investigate the mechanisms of how censorship on campus works. What was the reaction to your report? Was it uh, positive, negative, mixed? I'm talking about in the, like the wider media or maybe from vice chancellors you've heard of, from. All the actually vice chancellors have been rather quiet. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think well, they're, they're so busy. You said, so like, just, how have they had time to read this report? They're so just so busy. Um, <clears throat> I think the, there's been a lot of uh, criticism of you know how how did you get these results? So um, these are just 500 of your mates that you've interviewed, and uh, I think that's kind of a compliment. Thingy, I have 500 mates. Mm -hmm. um, We've then, been to some of your parties, Renee. They're quite something. <laughs> but you know, we're we're quite transparent. With this was done by an independent data services company, and most of the students interviewed were uh, Labor or Greens voters. So that kind of argument falls flat. But I think it's just again a lot of people wanting to push this issue aside, not discuss it it's easier not to deal with it. All right, brilliant. Uh, so, Renee, thank you very much for joining us on the show. If you want to read Renee's report or see any of the infographics, make sure you're heading over to the IPA Facebook page or go to ipa.org.au. Renee, thank you. Okay, thank you too, Renee, for that really awesome interview. Now, we've got another round of Hey, What Did We Miss? The Young IPA Quiz, the quiz that we have every part of the week. Uh, yep. We're moving it up in the show this week because everyone's loving it so much. So uh, we've got three contestants today. We've got returning champion Bella, Dr. Bella DeBerra. Hello. Uh, we've got Daniel Wilde. G'day. And once again, Peter Gregory, still chasing that elusive first victory. I'm going to win this week, no problem. All right, well, cool. Okay, so uh, for anyone that's new to the quiz segment, so we've got nine questions. You get a point for getting it right. You get a point off for getting it wrong. Mm -hmm. And there's a Who Am I at the end, which is the 54321. Buzzers are your first name, so let's go around the table, make sure the buzzers are working. Roof, roof. <laughs> that's what I'm going with this week. Okay. I need that every single time. Yeah. Oh, I was going to go with Dan. Yeah, I think that's that sensible. Right? Yeah. yeah, sensible yeah, and, and worthy of a uh, man of your uh, influence. Uh, and we've got Bella as well. All right, sweet. So n any more questions from the contestants before we get started? Do you want to explain why you have that issue? Well, yeah, the roof seals my nickname. And why is yep. that? Uh, it's a long-standing nickname. Yeah. yeah, okay. <laughs> long Did it come nickname. from anywhere or no particular? It, it, what it comes from Let's is... Let's tell the story. Okay, we'll tell the story. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah we've got the, got, got the go-ahead from the boys in legal. <laughs> no, I, um, I have and a long-standing... And girls in legal. Uh, a long-standing predilection for... Well, I did it once. I climbed on a roof yeah. at a soiree. Yeah. And um, 
at a nighttime soiree. I doubt it's once. And I got I got saddled with this nickname, Roof well, Seal. <clears throat> I had a I had a house party in my house, and yep. we, I've got a quite the small roof on my house. Very and low. when Pete saw that roof, I thought he would faint. Very like, accessible. Just the Nothing like a good roof. <laughs> you yeah. just had peace up there. You can see the world, and it's peaceful, and it's great. <laughs> yeah. Roof okay. Seal, cool. It. All right. Enough faffing around. Let's get into this quiz. All right. All right so question one: uh, hands on buzzers slash mouths near the microphone. I guess. Uh, okay. So we're recording this on Tuesday. Boris Johnson today has threatened a general election if MPs delay Brexit again. What date would that election be? Good question. Good question. Good question. Good question. Don't know. Right. We'll just let that Think go. Think out loud. No one wants to lose. Well, the I point. think it's somewhere in October. Uh, the negative point does dissuade yeah. that. But yeah. Um, I have a crack. Go, Daniel. Uh, can I get us do the month, or does it have to be the actual? No. I, I would prefer the date. I'll give you October. Yep. So far, so good. But no one else has. That's got to be. Well. No, I'm 14th. sorry. 14th. He's got it right. It's actually October 14th. Sorry. Dan gets one point. That is fortune favor in the break. That, that is amazing. Yeah. That <laughs> so really the victory goes to spoils. Mate, knocking the doors will open. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Seeking your shelf. All right. So part of this uh, protest from the MPs is basically over Boris Johnson using the Queen's speech to sort of fandangle his Brexit deal through. So what is the actual word other Brooks than Hill. fandangle? Roof, roof. Roof, roof. Farogue. Farogue is correct. Yes. Not, is that pronounced? I didn't even know that, that was pronounced a correct. I have no idea how to pronounce Perug. it. Perug. Perug. I thought you were just talking. I didn't know that was a question. Well, it was all setting up for a question. <laughs> yeah, just say <laughs> question <laughs> three. That was, that was uh, drunk. I'm, yeah, I've, I've got my own approach to the Quizmaster style. It's, you don't know it's a question until <laughs> no, I finish I the sentence. <laughs> all right, uh, so leaked audio today. Question three. Oh, here we go. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, leaked audio today reveals that Hong Kong's leader wants to quit as they feel that they've done cause uh, they have caused quote unforgivable oh, havoc on the region. Who is Hong Bella. Kong's leader? Bella. Carrie Lam. Correct. Bella. All right. So everyone's on the board. One point each. Question Ooh, four. Tight. Question four. <laughs> From this. <laughs> I suppose there's, nothing to, there's nothing to split you all at the moment. <laughs> all right. So question four. From the Australian this week, which social media giant did Labor threaten? Oh. Bloody Bella. Bella. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh. Time out. Oh, dear. Time out. Facebook. Th- no, time. Time. Oh, I didn't say time out. Dan said time out. I was one second away, but it was Facebook that uh, Labor threatened to. Ret- uh, there was retribution against uh, Facebook for negative coverage about Labor in the election campaign, with one saying, after the war, there's the War Crimes Tribunal, which is pretty weird for a political party to say to yeah. a social media people. Uh, anyway, all right. So moving on. Next question Who is playing the Joker in the Hello. upcoming. Oh, my God. Bella is amazing. At um, what are they, Bella, I'm going to have to get uh, a bit harder on these. No, I know who it is. Two, that's all right. one. All right, sorry, Bella's points off. I thought this was a politics oh, I know who it is. Well, no. this is the the slice of life, who am I sort of stuff. I think that there is a political point that I'm coming to this. Mm. But anyway, who is playing the Joker in the upcoming film about the character? Don't, it is Joaquin Phoenix, yeah. so no one gets a point. By the way, brace yourselves for a month of we shouldn't watch the Joker because of the message it sends to incels and sends to white supremacists. Like What's that is coming oh, for like man. a month. Well, like the whole thing is like, oh, he's disassociated with society and he's rising up against the f- powers of B. It's just like I've already seen a few num- rumbles of just yeah. like, oh, I don't know if we should be putting out this film in this current political climate. There is going to be a month of that stuff. All right, uh, back to politics, Dan. Uh, so according to Renee's report this week on Ooh. the free speech crisis at universities, what percentage of students think students should be exposed Bella. to different Daniel. views. Oh. Bella got there. Quick draw. 82%. 82% oh my is God. correct. That's why I call her quick draw. Quick draw, Bella. <laughs> All right, so we've got three more questions to go. Bella is on two and Dan and Pete are on one. Still How many very more questions? Close. Two. Uh, three more questions three. to go and who am I? Yeah, there's still a lot to play for. It's, it's going <coughs> to come down to who am yeah. I. Got to stick to your processes here. All right, I can really say it. Uh, all right, uh, Samsung is taking pre-orders oh. for their new TV valued at $500,000. How many inches diagonally is it? Good question. Don't know. I'll give a point to closest two. Closest what? Two inches? Clo- no, closest to <laughs> the number gets the point. <laughs> That's no, weird. No, uh, no points off. No points off? No, no points off. No, no, it's Dan. huge. Right. Well, we all get to guess, obviously. Are we above 100 or below 100? Big hats. Well, you've got to give me a number. Closest uh, to? 100. 100? Uh, 500,000. 149.31. That's the size of a normal television. Right. Uh, my so TV is like 52 okay, inches, I think. It's about 150. Oh, she's going to win. What did you say, Pete? 149.31. Uh, Pete went. <laughs> 146. <laughs> there isn't a wall on my house that's 146 inches diagonal. Like, that's right. That is the well, biggest TV I've ever heard in I my knew, life. I, I'm, it's more of a, I'm actually. Can't that. How big's a cinema screen? I have no idea. But, like, they've sold one TV to a guy sports. Like, he's got a sports bar set up in his house and he's going to put the biggest TV to have ever been played. How do you get it in and out of the house? Apparently, it takes three days to install. Mm. 
That's wild. I'm right. disappointed I didn't yeah. get that exactly right, but I'll take the point. <laughs> You'll take the point. Okay. Only 10 Democratic nominees are invited to the third debate. Name five. Dan. Dan. All right. Biden. Biden. Peter O'Rourke. Yep. Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. Warren. Yep. Boot Edge Edge. Yes. Oh, that's yes. Mayor Pete. That's really that's good. Impressive. Mayor Pete. All right. Well done, so... It's to all, to all. Two more questions remain. We all on two. Okay. okay, Australia. All right, th- this is one for the cricket boys. I know oh, Dan yeah, and Pete love cricket ones. So this one, is, this is the quiz within the quiz. Dan if anyone Steve doesn't Smith. get... <laughs> if that's right, he can have no, that. That's not a point. <laughs> 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 you lose a very close. Okay, so Australia is set to drop Usman Khawaja for the, here, this here. test. Uh, uh, spell him. P- spell his name. Riff Seal. Riff Seal. Do you want both names? Yes, please. U-S-M-A-N. And Khawaja is K. Hang on. K-H-A-W-A-J-A. Yep, correct. Yeah, right. Boy, so, bad luck about getting dropped. You'll be back. <clears throat> yeah, so <laughs> he'll be back. Okay. Yeah. Well Wise words for Peter Gregory. Maybe. Okay, coming into the Who Am I? So quick score check. It is Pete on three, oh. Dan and Bella on two. So this could be it. in the lead. This, this could be it. it. So this is the last one. <laughs> this is the last yeah. one. And right. how many is this worth? Uh, sorry, well, for five points. Five. Oh, this is a decider. Yeah, yeah, so five, four, three, two, and one. We're going down. So five points. Okay, got you. I was born on 30 November 1874. We need Paddy Hannaford. He got this first time. Yeah, he, got, he, yeah, just it got it from that. he just got it from that. Yeah, he got it from the year. Thomas like John Locke. <laughs> John Locke. <okay>. John Locke. <laughs> Thomas John Locke. is his brother. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote the fourth treatise or something. <laughs> the fourth treatise. Yeah, it never got out. Uh, I don't know the answer, Sorry, James. Sorry, can you say that again? When was it? The 30th of November, <laughs> 1874. Anyone want to take a stab? Five points up for grabs. All right, cool. We'll move on to four. I first entered the political scene in 1900. No, nah, I'm not willing to. No. Yeah, I, was, I, I made this a bit too hard, I reckon. But anyway, we'll see right. how we go. It helps uh, here's why. Fun. Here's why I bring this up today. So I was a backbencher on the start of this day 80 years ago, but by the afternoon, completely different. So what happened this 80, day, years, 80 ago years ago? 80 years ago today. I know it was like the anniversary of Warney's first ball in England <laughs> earlier <laughs> this nothing week. Nothing to do with Shane Warne. So I don't think it's that. Uh, so was, was it? That? So it was a war. It was outbreak of oh, war. Oh, yeah. Yep. Does anyone want to take a oh, guess? Oh, was it? It wasn't. It wasn't Churchill. Churchill it is. Bella wins again. Two to two. Sorry. I didn't say my name. Bella. I reckon that's a Churchill. question. Churchill. Uh, you can have it. So I she, she made my point. <laughs> was so, that two points? Uh, that was three. Oh, my God. So Bella wins again. Well thank you, Bella. Sorry. Return, that's twice right, champion. Bella. I reckon that'll be the thank closest you. Peter will ever get to this. Dan, thank you very thank much you for playing. Uh, all right. We are well now going to go to... <laughs> I like this display of sportsmanship. At least I came second this time. Yeah, this is good. This is an improvement. And I come last. Uh, yes. Uh, no, no, no. Tied for the last. What did I have? No, yeah, you were last. Sorry. What did I have? Uh, <laughs> you had two, you and had Pete three. had three, and Bella had five. Yes. All right. Uh, cool. Let's go to that interview with Bo Sargent. Okay, we welcome back onto the show, friend of the show. We haven't had you on for a while. Welcome back, Bo Sargent. Thanks, James. Great to be here. Yeah. Now, Bo, uh, you are a year 11 student, um, which is a very cool time of your life. So, Pete and I... <laughs> I can't remember. But. Yeah, we're, uh, we've been reminiscing fondly of our high school days <laughs> previous, but we have some stories because like, there's been a bunch of stories in the news the last couple of weeks about high schools. And Pete and I are looking at that going like, we should get a high school student on, talk through some of these stories, get an idea of what's going on mm. from ground level. So... All right, so let's start off with uh, one that I saw recently. So Melbourne Girls College, like we talked about this on the show last mm. week. Melbourne Girls College are removing their rubbish bins. They're saying no more rubbish bins in the entire school. Uh, if you have any rubbish with you, you're going to have to carry it home. Um, now that's not going to work. Now I think there's just going to be rubbish anywhere because uh, pockets are small. So what, what was your yeah, take on exactly. that? Exactly. Well, this is like a completely ridiculous idea. Like it's so impractical. Like I know how these things work. It's probably like four or five students who are like all in on the climate change. Like they're at all the school strikes for climate and all that. And they've gone to their people high up in the school and said, you know what, we need to do something. We need to ban bins at school because that's gonna save the world somehow. So like, you're not gonna stop plastic use at school by banning bins. Students are still gonna be using plastic. And I presume if they're taking their plastic away from school, then they're going to go and put it in their bins at home. Yeah. So that's not going to change the use of plastic. Their just, plastic will find a bin. Like maybe yeah. not at school, but they will find a bin. Exactly. So, and banning bins probably more likely is that if someone's got a, I don't know, wrapper for something and they don't have free pockets or whatever and they don't, if it's a bit dirty or whatever, you know they, they're just, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, behind a tree or whatever. Let's go back to these four or five students you were referring to earlier. Are these, are they, are they students like that at your school? Um, not, I don't think to the same extent, 
But I, yeah, yeah. And my other thing is, I remember when I was at school, one of the punishments you could get was to pick up papers. Mm. So how's that going to work if there's no rubbish bins? Well, yeah. They're oh, they'll still litter. Yeah. <laughs> well, the modern education system, we don't do punishment. Oh, we really? Do, we do sort of like rehabilitative justice. Oh, I heard a one That's which was like relearning. You just got to relearn something. As if you were taught it the wrong way. Like there's nothing in you that wanted to do anything wrong. It was just like, oh, you were taught wrong and you're just acting out. So we need to relearn you. Sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> so are you saying there's no picking up papers at your school as a punishment? No. Really? No. Yeah. Well, I don't think... I don't think Any Bo's ever been in trouble in his yeah, life. Yeah, maybe so Bo's maybe, really maybe there are, yeah. but just Bo wouldn't be privy <laughs> yeah. to those conversations. All right, uh, there's another story I found. So uh, every state school <clears throat> in Victoria, the Premier, um, well, I guess the Victorian government here, so <clears throat> every state school is banning mobile phones in class next year. So the idea is you put your phone in your locker room at the start. Uh, sorry, you put your phone in the locker at the start. It's there for how many hours school goes for, and then at the end of the day you can get your phone back. No. Now, I just think with students today, no one's following that rule. Like no. You will find a way to bring your phone into class. Absolutely. You will find a way to add to Snapchat throughout class. Like, yep. Do you see what are you, what's oh, your take? So Tinder. <clears throat> I kind of like the idea of it at a Tinder's primary school class, level. Pete. <laughs> at a primary school level, it's probably probably a good idea. Like, yeah. They don't need their phones. Probably best not to have the same kind of reliance on it. But at high school, can guarantee no one will follow this rule. There will be phones unless you're going to like search every student as they enter a class. Probably yep. not going to happen. So students are still going to be carrying their phones around. Students are still just going to be using their phones under the desk in a less obvious manner. Like, yeah. it's not going to change anything. Well, you say less obvious manner, but like every student thinks that they get away with it all the time. But teachers have got to know there's just like an absolute brain dead <laughs> look of someone staring at their legs and well, go like, hmm, I wonder what that is. If you're on your computer, the trick is you put your phone up on the computer screen oh, and it looks like yeah. you're looking at a computer doing work. Well, you've, you stumbled on another one that I want to get to. The computer <clears> also connects to the internet the last time I checked. So if people, like if teachers are worried about students mucking around in class, like you're going to have to get rid of literally everything and go you, back to like this 1930s classroom <laughs> just, you know, a pencil and a book. Abacus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can access all the same stuff on your computer. Yeah. Banning phones achieves nothing. Yeah. So I've heard, we've had uh, listeners tell us that they listen to the Young IPA podcast in their politics class. Will they still be able to do that or is it going to be too difficult to get away with? Well, I'm surprised that any schools are letting <laughs> students listen to Yeah, if you do oh, the do it headphone through good. the shirt and you put it up through the cuff and then you're just doing that, you yeah. can get away with that. He's got quite good at this, James. You oh, well, you're you a know, bad I'm, kid. <laughs> no, I wasn't a bad kid, but just I, did, I didn't love science and maths. Like Bo was telling us that he's a maths genius, I think <laughs> were your direct words. That's what he words. said. He I said think, <laughs> that, think that were your words. <laughs> Uh, but I like I zoned out pretty quickly, and I prefer to listen to music. So you can just do a quick sneaky, and there then you uh, off you are listening to Radiohead. Yeah. Um, but then there's like this other side of it to me, which is like technology can't be stopped. Like it's the way of the future. <laughs> Students are you know like babies learn quicker how to uh, play ca uh, Candy Crush than they do how to write and read. So like. Education has to adapt to the fact that we all use phones, we all use computers, we all use these electronic things. And to work against that by banning it, it's like, shouldn't you be embracing it and finding ways to use mm. that in the class? Exactly. Like, you're not, it, you will leave school and probably never have your phone banned at any point again. Like, there's no, yeah. banning phones in school isn't setting you up for later life. Yeah. And also the fact that once you leave the school gates, everyone's just going to get on their phones anyway. Yeah. Like, that already happens. Resume like, cyberbullying. <laughs> so, yeah. Or, or just that. store up on the six hours of memes they've missed <laughs> and there's no homework being done. All right. So uh, another one we got. So last time you were on the show, uh, we talked about how much of a fan of Jordan Peterson you were. And Jordan Peterson's had an interesting couple of months. Like there's been some really good things and there's been some, uh, you know, odd things. Uh, one thing he's come out with is this idea that he wants to ban deep fakes. Now, like just in case anyone watching or listening doesn't know what deep fakes are. So deep fakes are like when you can uh, CGI someone else's face onto someone making a different statement or you can use all these audio bites of people saying other words to put together to make them look like they're saying something that they never actually said. Now, it's pretty creepy and there's some pretty awesome YouTube video it's like awesome in like it inspires awe but it's not like great but awesome youtube videos of this sort of deepfake stuff being done so anyway now that jordan peterson's weighed in i know boris Sargent's probably thought about it himself so mm. what was your take well it is a pretty concerning um development to be able to manipulate the words people are saying in such a way that it appears like they're actually saying it and a lot of people like were that to go viral or whatever a lot of people are going to be taken in by that um i'm 
a high school student, so I'm not sure what the solution is. I wouldn't pretend to well, know whether that's banning it, that's is the solution. Oh, that is a copy. if you are. All right, we're done. <laughs> no, it's concerning. Something, um, and because it's hard for individuals who are viewing it to be able to distinguish. Like, it's almost yeah. impossible to do. So you can't just tell people, oh, well, you should improve your critical thinking and be more suspicious of everything. Yeah, yeah. Because then you might as well just say, oh, well, just log offline and never watch another video. Yeah, exactly. Like. But, like, I don't know how much more, like, uh, sceptical you can be than if you yeah. see someone say something with their own voice and still go, ah, I don't believe it. Like, like that is a level of scepticism that no one has ever needed to in yeah, the pre yeah. previous. And I'm sure there might, there could be a campaign in the future where a candidate yeah. says something and says, oh, sorry, that was just a deep fake. Yeah, it, not, no, I didn't yeah, actually exactly. say that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's not me. How common are these deep faking skills out there? Do half your mates know how to do it? About No. Okay. No, so I think they're pretty rare. I don't think I've I've actually you know never how to come do it. Yeah. No, no idea. Oh, okay. well, that's what he says. Sure. Maybe that's a deep fake. Yeah, maybe this is a <laughs> yeah. no, this whole, this whole thing. thing real. <laughs> yeah, but no, I think they're pretty. Um, it's pretty hard to do. Yeah. But I guess as technology develops, like it becomes more and more accessible to people that didn't have the previous skills. Yeah. And so eventually, I presume there'll be a time where you can just log on to the deep fake website, come up with a template, insert what you want someone to say, and it'll be done. Yeah, it seemed to be the case with Jordan Peterson. Like in that article, he's like, I, there's a website you can go where I'm starting to rap Eminem lyrics, which, you know, I still haven't got around to going to, even though the second I read it, I'm like, that's the rest of my afternoon I feel afternoon like that should have been a priority. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that should have been number one over hey. Uh, that, so the other thing I want to say, so you brought up how like students uh, need to think critically about this. Like Pete and I come and go with this idea all the time of just like, do young people, uh, are they sceptical of government? Are they sceptical of these things? Or do they just believe whatever authority figures like teachers tell them? Like, is, what, what do you reckon? So people are sceptical of government, major parties, yeah. but often that's not in a good way because they buy whatever the Greens say yeah, or yeah. whatever the Socialist Alliance says in many cases. Um, so... It's mixed. So there is some scepticism around certain issues where people will just not accept what the Liberal Party or Labor Party might say. Um, but the problem being, they'll just kind of blindly follow what the Greens will say in a lot of cases. But also, um, when I come on here, I like to bring some kind of hope. Yeah. And there are definitely lots of students uh, that I know who are sceptical of the kind of uh, standard sort of green left dogma that is promoted all the time, really incessantly. Um, there is scepticism around that that I've seen, but could always could be more, but mm. it is promising. All right, so we've got one more thing we want to ask you about, and then you've brought something in yourself, actually, which shows initiative which you like to yeah. see in young people, isn't it, James? Or just on this podcast once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what we talked about last week on the show was uh, this woman in the UK called Catherine Burble Singh who started this fantastic free school which has, you know, uh, traditional learning, uh, traditional teaching methods and traditional discipline and all this stuff. They uh, had really great results in their GSCE last week. What's your, your view on all that? GCSE being like end of school year, uh, sorry, end of school test, like VCE mm. or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, it sounds really good. Sounds um, Often I think that there is a problem with lack of discipline in uh, classrooms. I've heard this said a lot by commentators by people who are sort of experts on the teaching field and they say that Australian classrooms around the world are notable for the fact that they lack a sense of discipline, they lack a sense of students being quite directed, um, unlike, for example, the Chinese education system where it is very strict and where there is a strong sense of direction, everyone's trying to do well, they're trying to do their best. That's often not the case in uh, our system. And so I think that bringing that into uh, or setting up a school that is premised on that kind of thing, like she did um, in the UK, sounds like a really good thing. How do you think you deal with the silence between classes? Because I would have been expelled in 20 minutes. I don't think I'd do very well. <laughs> yeah. I think I'd be gone in even less time. But yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, it's you and me picking up papers <laughs> outside and we finally figure out whether that's a punishment or not. Now, as uh, <laughs> Pete alluded to, you mm. say you bring hope to this podcast <clears throat> and you've also bought a textbook. So okay. uh, why don't you explain what this is? So the textbook... Because I was not prepared for a test at the end of this. Uh, <laughs> I've forgotten everything I've said. I've forgotten everything you've said. So I haven't seen a textbook for a while. Unfortunately, the textbook does not bring hope. Okay. The textbook is actually pretty shocking, to be honest. So this is a politics one-two textbook uh, by the organisation Social Education Victoria. Yep. Um, I haven't looked deeply into this organisation. I just know that this is the prescribed textbook for lots of schools studying one-two politics. So year 11 politics. Year yes. 11 politics, yep. And so on this page here, at the end of the book about political actors and Australian politics, mm -hmm. 
we get a section telling us how to get involved in politics. Okay. So part one... Right. Listen to the Young IPA podcast. Good start. <laughs> that's a, that's in bold and all caps. That's interesting. <laughs> so part one, join a party. Seems fair enough. Part two, write a letter to your local MP about an issue. Two okay, two. fair enough. Part three, subscribe to GetUp, HTTPS, link, an online political action group that allows subscribers to choose which issues to get involved in and offers a variety of ways to take action. Yeah. You're <laughs> kidding me. It's right here. With a URL. Yep. So is there actually a URL? There is a URL wow. to get up in a textbook. Yeah. I almost said a naughty word on the podcast. <laughs> That's unbelievable. It is. Uh, so I opened this textbook at the beginning of the year and was sort of flicking through it day before school started, seeing what was coming up. And I thought, oh, it must be a mistake. It can't be right. But it's there, printed. There's no balance there. There's no subscribe to the IPA. No. There's no alternate. It doesn't say that it's a left-wing, like far-left oh, organisation. Get up, aren't left-wing, bro. Don't be silly, mate. No, and there's another one here. Write a, let- yeah, just the- write a letter to the editor of The Age or even your local yep. newspaper. Or even yeah. your local even, newspaper. Yeah. Like the kind of condescending, yeah, even your local newspaper. That might be okay. But, but just know, like the, the idea of like, look, I'll let you do <laughs> your local newspaper, but far be it for me to even mention that the Australian or the Herald Sun yep. exists or the Daily Telegraph even. Yep. Now, is this a widespread uh, textbook? I know you said I your school so. has it, but... So you reckon like other students and other yep. clubs? Yeah, wow. Seems a mainstream kind of social education Victoria, I believe, publishes a number of textbooks right. about social science subjects. And yeah. this is what is in, yeah. And in, in the, the list of stuff you should read if you want to uh, know more about politics, there's ABC, Guardian Australia, Melbourne Age, The Conversation, Crikey, New Matilda. And anyway, Q&A. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Anyway, that's, that's, a, that's uh, a white cool. smorgasbord. That's yeah. a multi-purpose diet. All right. Yeah, Bar- uh, usually we look to you for hope, but I've got this uh, overwhelming sense of dread uh, at the end of this interview. So uh, we'll just go with that. So, okay. Barry, thank you so much right. for coming back thank on. Thank you, Barry. Thanks, Barry. Okay, thank you too, both sergeants. So uh, we've got two stories that we want to share yep. at the end of the show. We're Couple running very long, so we're going to make this very sharp mm. and to the point. No mucking around. Absolutely no mucking Absolutely around. Absolutely no mucking around. Uh, so I think you're starting us off with the vegan. Oh, yeah, right. This would we'll be do. mucking around. Uh, so a Perth vegan yep. called uh, Celia Carden has taken her neighbours all the way to the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. uh, Supreme Court, one of the highest courts in the land, because of the smell of barbecue. Saul, roll the tape. They've put it so it just, you, you smell fish. All I do smell is fish. She smells fish, James. So yep. she's taken her neighbours to the court. She also said, I can't enjoy my backyard. I can't go out there now. Miss Carden is a massage therapist. She's furious at her neighbours for cigarette smoke wafting into her yard and the sound of children playing with basketballs next door. Unfortunately, as it turns out, now one of the neighbours seeking to avoid trouble has told his kids to stop playing basketball, which is a shame. Because uh, it's the best sport in the world. Because it's a sport and kids like it and it's you know, good fun. Go Nuggets. Now, Miss Carden is so upset that she's taken her neighbours to the State Administrative Tribunal and the Supreme Court, as I said. She's been knocked back twice, uh, but she'll continue the fight, she says. Now, I don't know much about the legal system, but I think the High Court's the next one, isn't it? Yeah, well, I know the Supreme Court's pretty big, so uh, she's really all in on this one. Listen to us, eagle, legal eagles, just <laughs> nutting this out. <laughs> Putting our heads together. Uh, it's tough for me because like, I watched that interview and I listened to that clip and I'm just like, uh, you know, I don't know her world, but I do know that there's definitely a team of uh, vulture lawyers behind mm. her can, asking her to keep on appealing to a higher court yeah. so they can put more of her money in their pockets. So, I'm totally convinced it's the best use of her money. I'm not either because, uh, again, like as we agreed just before, basketball is the best sport in the world and the I'm kids sure. deserve to play it and barbecues are nice. You can, like, we'll be on that one. Mm. So that would be my one. Okay. Uh, and, yeah. So bad lawyers would be is my takeaway with this one. Yep, and you should be able to cook a barbecue in Australia. Yes. All right, uh, cool. I've got one more story. So Prince Harry, we featured him a while ago for flying uh, private jets four times in 11 days, I think was the statistic. Mm. So uh, which is fine for him to do, but at the same time, don't lecture the rest of the world on uh, how to avoid air travel th- because of climate change if you're yep. going to do that. Um, but anyway, he's uh, got himself back into the news just for this thing. So he's got a new initiative, initiative called Travelist, uh, which sees in part with major travel companies such as Booking.com, TripAdvisor and Visa to explore and promote ways to travel more sustainably. Now, to which the obvious question is, but you travelled private four times in 11 days, why, why should we listen to you? Mm. And this is where Prince Harry, uh, and the article's up uh, for people watching on YouTube, this is where Prince Harry has finally come to his own defence because he usually just uh, would ignore the story and say, uh, look, and he's defended his own private travel. So here's what he said. 
Uh, I spend 99% of my life traveling the world by commercial. First off, if I may, no, he hasn't. But anyway, uh, I spend 99% of my life traveling the world by commercial. Occasionally, there needs to be an opportunity based on a unique circumstance to ensure my family is safe. It's genuinely as simple as that. Which, again, is fine. Fair his, enough. his family would be more safe on private airplanes than they would on commercial planes. But it's the reason he, he raises safety. Mm. By his own logic, global warming is incredibly unsafe. Mm. So really, he's also putting his family at risk through using private travel and not commercial. Yeah. So that's not a good excuse for me. No, no, exactly right. Yeah. And or also, just don't go to the things that you want to go exactly to. Exactly right. Do it on Skype. Yeah. I'll tell you what's really safe: staying in your home. Exactly right. <laughs> not and flying. I just love it. Flying's like, terrifying. It I, is. Sorry. <laughs> I can fly. I'm there. No mucking around. <laughs> I can fly, but it's okay because I've got a good reason. Yeah. Like no one else has a good reason. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you're fleeing Syria. Yeah, well, maybe that's a going, good reason. Maybe you're going to Bali not for a week a on the cans. Not as good a reason. Anyway. Still a good reason, not as good a reason. Yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah, just classic hypocrisy. All right, yep. that is it for the show this week. Thank you to Renee and Bo for those interviews. Uh, and make sure that uh, you're spreading the word. We're available on all good podcast platforms. So if you do have someone in your life that you think like the podcast, make sure you're telling them about it. It's if you are listening... Like it. it would be literally everyone on the planet except yeah. Prince Harry uh, and um, the vegan. Uh, so if you are listening through Apple Podcasts or iTunes, make sure you leave us that five-star review. And just a reminder that we are now filming this podcast. So if you want to watch me and Pete, uh, for some reason, you can do that on YouTube. Mm. <laughs> Pete and I grimacing in the mere terror of someone wanting to do that. But anyway, see you guys next week. See ya.